church. How you feel today? Feel good? Come on now. Can you put your hands together? Bless the Lord all around this room. Come on. Somebody make some noise in here today. Come on. You feel Jesus. There we go. We got uh, snowmageddon in the southeast. Come on. But for those of you in this room today, it is an, always an honor and a privilege to gather together. You look good. I hope you feel good. And Thanks for being here in this room, and we always have the privilege to live stream our gatherings, and I know that today our online community is a little bit more engaged. we got some people that are playing it safe, staying home, because we don't know what the weather's going to look like mid-morning, mid-afternoon here on the south side of Atlanta. So wherever you're watching from online today, whoever you are, we greet you, we say God bless you, we love you. And then to our Germantown, Maryland campus family, what a great story that is, by the way, to have one church in multiple locations. But everybody in Germantown today, we love you. We say good morning to you and God bless you. So, all right, everybody in this room, can you put your hands together? Welcome everybody online. Come on, welcome all of your Germantown family. Germantown, make some noise back. There we go. And then we have a weekly tradition here at Go Church before we jump into the word together where we, give, we pause to give honor to the brave men and women who serve in the military, saying thank you to those who are serving, saying thank you to those who have served, and then, of course, saying thank you to all of the brave first responders, courageous men and women that continue to put their life on the line to serve and protect ours. So when it comes to a group of individuals, I think those that are serving on the front line, they deserve some love. So can we do that, Go Church family? Come on, everybody, show some love to the military. Come on, a little bit louder. Show some love to the first responders. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, of course, we can't forget, nor should we ever forget, uh, what tomorrow represents in our country here and really beyond, beyond the United States as we celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, the accomplishments of this great man. And, you know, Dr. King was more than just, you know, an activist in the civil rights movement. He was more than just a Baptist preacher. He was a man of God, a true man of God. And I think this year, 2022, will be uh, like 54 years since his assassination. But I thank God for his work, tearing down the walls of racism and racial injustices. We got, we got work to do as a country, but we're better because of individuals like him. And so tomorrow, as we pause to honor his life and the work that's done, let us also commit to the continued work that we need to do to love one another. There's not much that you and I can do about racism in the world, but there is a lot that we can do about racism in our heart, in our home. So I just wanna tell you that for the Worley family, for the Go Church family, now we ain't got time for all that. Red, yellow, black, white, all of humanity is precious in God's sight. Can you give me a good amen? Come on. So we love people, we love people to life. And so we just say thank you to Dr. King and. Uh, thank you for loving one another. It's one of the beautiful things about Go Church is her diversity. And it's an honor and a privilege to pastor people from all different walks of life, from all different backgrounds and ethnicities and race. And that's the kingdom of God. That's what heaven is going to look like. So I think that's wonderful and fantastic. And let's put our hands together. I'm going to ask you to clap in a moment just to celebrate this day. But as you applaud, it's also a reminder of the work that you're committed to doing to tear down the walls of racism. Can we do that together? Come on, church family. Let's go. Here we go. Come on now. Yeah, love it. Very good. Hey, so in February, February the 20th is Vision Sunday. All right, so I want you to mark your calendar for that. On Vision Sunday, I was going to hold this information for Vision Sunday, but it feels timely and appropriate to tell you today that Go Church is gonna go through a rebrand. So we're gonna take our logo and we're gonna rebrand our logo so that we can be even more known in our community. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a first look at the new logo. Is that all right with everybody? All right, on the count of three, I'll reveal it. You ready? One, two, are you gonna count or is it just me? All right, I'm just making sure. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, there it is! Come on, somebody! Go dogs! Come on, dog fans, where are you at? You know, at a bark today. Parking today. All of you uh, Alabama fans, you're looking for a new church, aren't you, right now? <laughs> this is just a, a temporary redesign, although the tattoo that I got this week, of the, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But go dogs. I mean, 41 years for us Georgia fans, we have just been waiting on God to hear our prayers. And for what it's worth, and for some of you, this, this doesn't matter, and that's not where you came to church today, but 
uh, just the, the Lord allowed me and my son Lakeland, he's 11, he'll be 12 next week. We got to go to the game. Come on, we got to be there in person. And uh, for a moment, I thought about rushing the field. And then I thought, you know what? It wouldn't be good for a pastor to be arrested. So plus we were pretty high up, but we got to go to the game and enjoy the game together. And so it's been a great year to be an Atlanta, Georgia sports fan. Come on, from the Braves. Come on, let's go from the Braves to now the Bulldogs. So for those of you that aren't Braves fans or Bulldog fans, there's room at the cross for you to come and join us crazy people. But come on, I think it's worth celebrating. I did tell you at the beginning of this year, uh, the word for the year that the Lord burdened in my heart. And I'm, I'll do this uh, today and then next Sunday. I won't get to see you every Sunday for the whole year. By now though, Psalm 6511 should be uh, memorized for me and you. This is the word that the Lord put on my heart for 2022. And I prophesied this over your family, that this year the Lord will crown this year with a bountiful harvest and even the hard pathways, may they overflow with abundance. Does anybody receive that today? So I just want to keep speaking that over you. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've kind of a, a allowed the, the, the newer worship song, uh, the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. We've kind of adopted that as our anthem for this year, along with this particular verse, because I believe 2022 is going to be the year of God's goodness. It's the year of God's goodness. Now, this doesn't mean that everything we face in 2022 is going to be good. There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some difficult days. But it does mean this, and this is how the old church used to say it, that God is good and all the time. Let's do it again. God is good and all the time. Do you believe that today? Now, let me say this to you. The only way, and you need to hear this. This is transitioning into my message this morning. The only way that this is going to be the year of God's goodness is if you make a decision to let God be the center of your life. That's the only way. The only way you get to experience the goodness of God is to allow God to consume your whole heart, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And every, once you do that, once you come into alignment with God, once you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what you face in this year, as long as you've got God, you've got everything you need. Can I get an amen? Come on. I believe that to be true. Let me tell you this thought as well. This year, 2022, is not going to be any different from last year unless you do something different from what you did last year. I've shared this as an introduction to this whole series that we're in today and that we've been in for the month of January and it'll take us on into the month of February that if you want different results from last year, you've got to do some different things. Does that make sense? The definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and then expecting that there's going to be a different result. So you can lay this thought over the top of any area of your life from relationships, to health, to spiritual health, to finances, you name it. That if you want different results in this year, you've got to do some different things. And one of the things out of the gate in 2022 that we're inviting you to engage in is Deeper 21. This is our intentional time of corporate prayer and private fasting. These 21 days, we kick off the year with 21 days and then we come back in August kind of a halftime of the year, if you will. We come back in August. Once people kind of get through vacation and all that, we do another 21 days. But these 21 days are our time to start off the year saying, I want to go deeper. And let me tell you, we are 16 days in to the new year, 16 days in to the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you've not yet had the opportunity to jump in with us in our daily devotions on the Go Church app, You've not been able to start your fast yet. You've not joined us for prayer yet. Pardon the grammar, but it ain't too late. It's not too late. It's never too late to pray. It's never too late to practice the disciplines of fasting. Even though this is the final week of these 21 days, you can jump in with us. So Monday through Friday, we'll meet in person at both of our campuses, the office space for our Germantown family, right here in this room for our South Metro Atlanta campus. We'll meet together Monday through Friday of this week at 6 a.m. And let me say two things 
and then I'll pray for us. Let's finish the final week of this uh, 21 days. Let's finish this week strong, all right? Let's finish strong. Jump in with us, go deeper in the things of God. Let's finish strong, and then let this season just catapult us into the goodness of God. Can you say amen to that? Come on, amen. All right, let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room today. And I pray that that same spirit that is alive and moving here is felt in Germantown, is felt to everybody gathering together online. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, may you change us, God, from the inside out. I refuse to leave this gathering today the same way as when I walked in. I want to leave changed. I want to leave empowered. Come on, is anybody praying that with me? I want to leave refreshed, renewed. I want to leave deeper in you. So I speak against distraction. I pray you would open up my mind, my heart, my spiritual ears. Don't just let the pastor speak, but Holy Spirit, you speak and change us from the inside out. We give you all of the glory and we give you all of the honor. And we pray all of these things in one name, and it's the name Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus, because Jesus, you have all of the authority. And together, the whole church said amen and amen. Come on now, let's give Jesus the highest praise. Come on, church family, real loud here. Here we go. Yeah. All right, we are in the third week of this series that we're calling Get in the Game, Get in the Game. And I want you to notice here, uh, once again, and then this is the last time I'll make this reference about the Bulldogs and the Braves, but we did edit this, uh, this graphic uh, to the new version here. You've got the Dogs National Championships right there, baby. And then, of course, you've got the Braves. And so we're talking about getting in the game. But when you look at this graphic, this is not a sports series. So we're not talking about sports uh, for the next five, six, seven weeks during this conversation the idea of getting in the game, though, is similar to the thought of an athlete with their desire to jump in to play the game. No athlete trains, nutritions, studies, prepares, gets up early, goes to late, just to sit on the bench. Every athlete wants to get in the game. And so I want you to have that thought as you move into this year, uh, 2022, and getting in the game when it comes to some of the spiritual disciplines and some of the areas of our faith journey that will push us closer to the things of God in this year. Remember, if you want different results in this year, you got to do what? Different things, all right? So let's get in the game this year. So we start, this is a seven-week series. We started on the first Sunday of the year talking about the discipline of prayer. Last Sunday, we talked about the discipline of fasting. If you've missed either one of those uh, messages in that series, jump back online and listen. Today, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Bible. Next Sunday, we'll talk about sharing your faith, uh, what it means to evangelize the gospel. Then we'll talk about small groups and the importance of getting into a small group because you and I weren't created to do life alone. We'll come back and we'll talk about the discipline of stewardship, tithing, putting God first in the area of finances. And then we'll close out the whole series by talking about serving and using your gifts, talents, and abilities to advance the kingdom of God through the local church. But today, let's talk about the Bible. Come on, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Now, I want you to notice something on the screen. I inserted between the Bible a really important word, and that word is holy. And I wanna to talk to you today about the Holy Bible. And the reason why I wanna insert that word holy and when we reference the scripture as the Bible, that's not inaccurate, but watch this. The Greek word for Bible is the Greek word biblios, and it simply means book. That's all that Greek word means, biblios. It means book. As a matter of fact, there is a city in, in Lebanon known as Biblia, which at one time was the number one exporter of paper. Interesting, isn't it? So this Greek word, biblios, simply means book, but the Greek word for holy is hagios, and that means set apart. And can I tell you that this book, the Bible, is unlike any other book ever written. This book is set apart. 
It is inspired by God. It is breathed from heaven, from God. Although man wrote with pen, it was God that moved the hand. Can you say amen to that? So this book is more than just a book. This is a holy book, a book that is set apart. And I pray that in the next 30 minutes here, that this message today will do a couple of things for you and for me as well. I don't ever, I'm never preaching down to you, although this platform is a little elevated, but we're all in our faith journey together here. But I pray that this message moves you with a greater kind of love towards God to discipline yourself, to get into God's love letter that he wrote to you, to read the letter that God wrote for us that gives us incredible instructions for any season of your life or any season of my life. Also, I hope that this message confronts you a little bit, that this message convicts us a little bit for taking for granted the opportunity that we have with all of the access, whether that's physical access to a paperback of scripture or the digital version of the Bible. There are are tribes and languages and ethnicities around the world that are praying for a translation of God's word to be written in their language They're waiting for copies of the Bible to be delivered to them. And you and I, we have two, three, four, five Bibles, you know, at our disposal here. And yet sometimes we choose not to read that holy book, that set apart book. So if you are in faith with God, you've got this relationship with God. I want to challenge you today to read the word, not out of religious obligation. I'll talk about that later on today, but out of your genuine love for him. If you're unsure and maybe a little skeptical of, of God and of Jesus and of faith, listen to me, I double dog dare you to read the Bible. Hey, you got nothing to lose, but read God's word and watch what happens. Can somebody say amen to testify to that truth? Come on, there is power in the word of God. I hope you're taking notes today. If you're at a physical location, there's a message note card and a seat back pocket near you or in Germantown and a cup holder near you since you meet in the theater. If you're online today at home with your hot cocoa and warm little blanket, you didn't even brush your teeth, you're still in your pajama jams. Come on, still take some notes today. I got a lot of things that I want to share with you, and I'm going to start this off by just giving you some facts about the Bible, some facts about the Holy Word of God. The Bible is a compendium of 66 books, which by the way, compendium is the word of the day. Come on, somebody. How many times can you use compendium today? Every now and again, I just like to throw in some really intelligent words to show show you that I'm not as dumb as I look. Come on now. Compendium simply means collection. It's a collection of 66 books. 39 of those books are in the Old Testament, starting in the book of Genesis. The Old Testament ends in the book of Malachi. When you get into the New Testament, the remaining 27 books are there. Two-thirds of those books written by the Apostle Paul, which is profound in itself because Paul was once a murderer of Christians, yet when he met God, God changed his life forever, and then he goes on to testify and write two-thirds of the New Testament that begins in the book of Matthew, and then the New Testament ends in the book of Revelation. 1,189 chapters in the Bible with 31,103 verses in the Bible. I don't know for those of you that are Christians, if anybody has ever come up to you and says, I got a word for you. Has that ever happened? Like, I've got a word for you. Anytime somebody says that to me, my first thought is, I've got over 800,000 words for me. And it starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. Somebody say amen to that. Over 800,000 words in this Holy Bible. This was written over, or over a span of 1,500 years by 40 different authors. It's incredible to me. This was originally written in three different languages. You have Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible, the Holy Bible was written on across three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. And this one to me is just because, listen, the word of God never changes and the word of God never fails. And so when you look at all those facts that I just shared with you, watch this, on January the 16th of 2022, or whenever you come across this video on YouTube or Vimeo, on Facebook, whatever that date is, 
the Bible addresses every single hot topic that we contend over today in our society and our culture. It addresses every argument that we have, even politically. So when we talk about race and racism and racial injustices, the Bible has an answer to that. When we talk about the confusion of, of gender and gender equality, the Bible addresses that. When we argue about the sanctity of marriage or the sanctity of life, which is next Sunday, and we'll pause to honor the sanctity of life because we believe that God is a giver of life. Come on, amen. When we argue about immigration or when we debate or struggle with money, the Bible addresses every single hot topic that we are faced with today. And as generations change, as challenges change, the word of God remains the same. That's a great place to pause and say amen right there. Come on. So watch this, write this down. The Bible isn't just some great piece of literature. It's not just beautiful poetry, although there is incredible poetry throughout the Bible, far greater than what you would ever read from Shakespeare. But the Bible, watch this, possesses a supernatural component to it. The Bible has this supernatural unity that that ties it all together. And here's what's so interesting, and I showed you these facts to set you up with this thought. For the Muslims and their Quran, the Quran was written by one man, Muhammad. For the Analects of Confucius, that was written by one man. The writings of Buddhism written by one man. But yet your Bible over 1,500 years, three different languages, three different continents, 40 different authors, it possesses a supernatural unity that ties it all together. This isn't just a book. It is a holy book. Come on. It is set apart. Your Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. I want you to see this in two different translations. All scripture is inspired by who? By God. And here's what the Bible's for. The Bible is beneficial for teaching. And so we use, I hope you appreciate this, but at Go Church, we try to teach the Bible. Come on. We got a lot of opinions and a lot of platforms, but the book is our final authority. So we use the Bible for teaching, for rebuke, for correction. By a show of hands, even online in the chat feature there, throw up some emoji hands. How many of you have ever read the Bible and you felt a little convicted? Come on, ladies. Yeah. We use it for training in righteousness because holiness is God's standard of living. This is the New American Standard version of the Bible and, and one that I often use on Sundays on this screen here. Uh, one that I, I like to read personally is the NIV, the New International Version. This is how that same verse is translated. Let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. Watch this. He says, your faith. So for those of you that have faith, for those of you that are wrestling with your faith, for those of you that want to grow deeper in your faith, He says that faith comes by what? By hearing. And what do you hear? The word of God. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, On on Facebook, it popped up for me, or maybe you saw it in in a recent news article. But there was a a homeless man who recently, the story uh, was written. This homeless man was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Anybody from Oklahoma? Come on, where are you at? Not a soul in this room. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Maybe you're online from, from let's, welcome all, let's welcome our Oklahoma campus. Good morning. God bless you. So anyway, he's living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's a homeless man. He goes to a shelter. And in this shelter, in the lost and found, he finds a Bible. And so he begins to read the Bible. And over a period of 10 years, through reading and hearing the word of God, he confesses his sins, asks Jesus into his heart, and today he is saved, he is married, and he has a family. Now, what's so unique about this story is, and why it just came about, is because all throughout this weathered Bible, 
are scribbled notes. And in the front of the Bible is the name P. Daughtery. And I don't know if I'm saying that last name, if it's Daughtery or Daughtery, but it's written on the front of the Bible, in the cover of the Bible. So this guy starts going to church, and he's taking this Bible. He's got his family. He's going to church. And one Sunday, he's sitting in the congregation, much like you are, for those of you in the room, and the pastor, P. Daughtery, or P. Daughtery, is introduced. So Clayton, this man who found this Bible 10 years ago after the gathering, walks up to this pastor and he says, could this be your Bible? And the pastor began to weep. He lost his Bible as a teenager 15 years prior, and it ended up in a shelter. Clayton picks it up, reads the word, hears the word, and his earthly life and eternal life is forever changed. That's a great place to thank God. Come on, can you clap like there's power in the word? Come on. It makes me think of what the psalmist David said. Look, look in your Bible, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the scripture. 176 verses. Do you want to know what every verse of the 176 verses is about? The word of God. The longest chapter in the Bible is 100% committed to the Holy Scripture, the law of God, the command of God. I'll reference Psalm 119 a few times today. Let me show you right now, though, two verses here, verse 97 and verse 98 of the longest chapter in Scripture. Look at what David says. Oh, how I love your word. How I love your law. I meditate on your word all day long. Look at verse number 98. Your commands are always with me. Your word is always with me. Anybody know that to be true? And watch what the word does. And your word makes me wiser than my enemies. I'd love for those of you at home, those of you in Germantown, everybody in this room, Let's read this together. Can we do that? Ready? One, two, three. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I'm going to give you three things today to chew on. I want you to write these down. One of my spiritual mentors in my life, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, uh, he's got campuses, their, their ministry has campuses all over the state of Alabama, one campus in Columbus, Georgia, where just so happens one of my closest friends, Kyle Jackson, is the campus pastor there. But Pastor Chris Hodges, in a recent message, shared three thoughts on the Bible. I'm going to give you those three thoughts as the, the teaching points. I'll give you uh, what the Lord gave me as content to unpack them. But here are the three thoughts here that I want to share with you about the Word of God. Love the Word. Learn the Word. Live the word. Come on, that's good today. Love the word of God, learn the word of God, and live the word of God. Let's start with the first one here. Let's talk about love, love the word of God. When you love something, when you love someone, your interactions with that person or with that thing is different than if you didn't love them. When you love someone, you adore them. You take care of them. You serve them. Come on, husbands. I'm talking to you. Take care of your wives here a little bit. You defend them. You contend for them. You fight for them. Uh, let me tell you, the gospel, which means good news, the gospel doesn't need us to defend it. But can I tell you that the Bible in 2022 is under great attack? along with the bride of Christ, which is the church. So there's this whole deconstruction movement. Uh, in the fall, I'm going to do a three or four part series on the deconstruction movement and what that means. But people are literally deconstructing the faith. They're deconstructing the, the church, which, yeah, the, the church isn't perfect. You know how I know that? Because y'all are here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I'm here. It's made up of imperfect people, but the church 
is the bride of Christ. Christ died for the church. People are deconstructing the Bible, calling it inaccurate, invalid, etc., and so on. But when you love something, man, you defend, you defend it. You fight for it. There's a part of me that every time someone argues the Bible, I get incredibly defensive. Because you, you can argue religion, and you can argue the church, and you can argue faith, but you can never argue what God and his word has done for me. I am different because of God, and I'm different because of what he wrote me in this book. When I picked up the Bible at 19 years old, and I began to read it, and not just read it, but love it, man, it changed my life. If you come to our first Saturday prayer gatherings at either campus, we do on the first Saturday of every month at 8.30 a.m., or if you ever see me with my Bible, even when I'm at home in my quiet time, I always hold my Bible like this. I hold it here. And I want you to know, like, I'm still, I'm still a man's man. Come on, somebody. I got a beard. I wear flannel. But this, there's something about this Bible that just gets me sentimental and emotional. And I hold it like this because I want this Bible close to my heart. But I also don't want anybody to take this Bible from me. This Bible's special, this one. I, I probably own a dozen or more Bibles, but this one was given to me by my mother-in-law and father-in-law the day that I became the lead pastor of this church. This Bible's special to me. I dare not even write in it usually, only on occasion, because there's other Bibles that I'll doodle in and write in, but this one, this, I love this word. And when you love something, you treat it differently. I don't know, and if there's a psychologist in the room, or maybe I need a counselor, that's fine too. I don't know how far back you can remember as a child. But I remember when I was, and I'm not, just so you know, too afraid of God to lie, maybe exaggerate the truth every now and again. Come on. But I called my mom this morning. We talk every Sunday morning. She prays for me before the message. After we prayed, 30 minutes later, I called her back. I was like, man, Am I, am I making this up or did this really happen? I remember when I was three or four years old, which is true. She, she confirmed this entire story. When I was three or four years old, I remember that my parents in a season became foster parents. At one time, we had five foster kids living in our home. After those five kids were, and I, don't know, I don't know what happened to them, but I'm assuming either they were, they were placed or they were re reunited with their family. We fostered one little girl by the name of Gwen, Gwendolyn, Gwen. And I remember because she was with us for probably almost a year. And, and, and through that time, she called me Bubba. She called my sister Sissy. I mean, she became our family. But when we got her, she was small. And I remember that across this little baby's face was the bruising from a handprint of an abusive stepfather. So her biological mother, I don't even know if she was married to the man, but he was an alcoholic and uh, he was abusive. He abused Gwen's mom and he abused an infant child and hit the child so hard that her face, when the police came, it had his whole handprint imprinted on this baby's face. So we had Gwen for a season and then, I don't, I don't recall being in the courtroom, they, they may not have taken me that day, but then my parents were going to the courthouse for the custody trial. And they were going to determine who would become, you know, uh, full custody over this, over, this, over this kid. So anyway, the judge says, and my mom told me this this morning, the judge says to my mom and dad, you all are the most normal people in this courtroom. Which makes me think, they didn't really know my mom and dad. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm kidding, mom, she's watching online. He gave my parents full custody of Gwen. Some days later, and this is the part that I vividly remember, that abusive stepfather showed up in our living room. He kicked down the door of our house, walked into our living room. Uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom was living with us at the time. I've never, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, by the way. I just reminded of it early this morning. 
this man beats down the door. He's standing in our living room. My grandmother, my dad's mom is living with us. He gets in her face, begins to verbally abuse her, cussing her out, becomes very confrontational, gets in my, tries to grab Gwen. He's going to, well, at, at this point, it's kidnapping because she's ours legally. He tries to grab Gwen. He gets in my father's face, and I'll never forget it. I'm three or four years old. My dad was tall and slender. Uh, he, he, he was probably six foot one. I don't know if he, ate, when he was soaking wet, he probably weighed 155 pounds. Come on, somebody. But old Don Worley, you didn't mess with Don Worley. This is before they had Enneagrams, but he was every number rolled into one. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I'll never forget it. This big guy in our living room trying to grab Gwen. He's, he's uh, cussing out my grandmother. He gets in my daddy's face, and I'll never forget it. My dad just reached down by the couch where he kept an old two-by-four, and he picked up that two-by-four, and he beat the living daylights out of that joker. I'll never forget it. Because when you love something, love will take you to levels of defense and protection and care that your mind can't even fathom. And I'm telling you, we're living in a culture and society that while God doesn't necessarily need us to defend the word, you ought to, you ought to grab you a two by four when culture tries to come against the word of God. The Bible is our final authority. And I love you and I respect you. I believe you love me and respect me. I don't give two flying flips what side of the political aisle you find yourself on. This is a kingdom culture, church, and we will live by the book. Come on, somebody. The Bible. You just clapped like you were at a golf match. I said, we're going to preach the Bible at Go Church. Come on now. There we go. I ain't Tiger Woods. Come on. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. What's your attitude towards God's word? Uh, I read it because I have to. I don't have time. I'm busy. I got a lot of other things. I get home, I'm tired. Or do you love it? Do you adore it? Do you contend for it? Do you fight for it? Do you hold it? Paul told the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, watch this. And we also thank God continually because when you what? Received the word of God, which you heard from us, what did they do? They accepted it. Not as a human word. This is, this is not a human word. This is whew, breathed by God, inspired by God. There is a holy reverent fear every time I hold it. What's your attitude towards this book though? Do you receive it? Do you accept it? Because it's not a human word, but... You receive it and accept it for what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed what? At work in who? The Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive and it is active. I want you, listen to me real quick. The number one prayer that I have for you as your pastor, your spiritual leader, your spiritual tour guide, whatever, whatever you call me, my number one prayer for you is this. It's not for you to take a next step and serve on a go team. My number one prayer for you is, is not ladies to sign up for the amazing You Go Girl conference that's just a few months away. My number one prayer for you fellas is not to sign up for that man up conference that'll happen in June. My number one prayer for you marriages is not for the first ever marriage conference we'll do this fall. It's not for you to get into a small group, although I think that's important. My number one prayer for you is that you love the word of God. That you just love the word of God. Not out of religion, but out of relationship. That you hold fast to it. And then watch this. And then you learn the word. Can I tell you that our Oh, how do I say this? Because I don't want you to feel like I'm saying this to you. I'm just talking in general. 
But we have so many illiterate Christians when it comes to the word. I, I believe you trust me as your pastor. I try every time I get on this platform or any platform to communicate the gospel. I always try to preach with great or teach with great biblical integrity. But we got a bunch of pastors, quote unquote, out there. They're, what are they teaching? It's heresy. It's not the Bible. You, you want preference in a church? I, nothing I can do about preference. You know, it's either too hot, too cold, too loud, too dark, too bright, too whatever. But if, but if you want the word, you're going to get the word here. And my, my, my prayer for you is not that you just love the word, but you learn the word. Because in the last days, you got to be careful not to drink the Kool-Aid of all the heresy that's out there. You gotta be able to separate the wheat from the chaff, the lies from the truth. And there is only one truth and that's God's truth. Can you say amen to that? So you gotta learn the word, watch. You gotta read it, you gotta eat it, you gotta listen to it, you gotta study it, you gotta meditate on it, you gotta memorize it. I love that you come to church. I love that you tune in online. I love that you're at our campus in Maryland. But listen to me. You need more than just Sunday word. This is manna from heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4, it is written that man shall not live by what? Panera ain't enough. No, you can't live by bread alone. And that's a good thing because even a forecast of snow and in the south, all the bread's gone. Come on now. But we live on every, somebody shout word, word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's what you need. You need a quiet time. You need a quiet place. And you need a study plan. You're busy. I'm busy. So get this on your calendar. Every day I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to spend time in his word because I love the word and I want to learn the word. You need a quiet time without distraction and a quiet place to remove distraction. And then you need a plan. Can I tell you that there are some places in the Bible that when I read, my thought is, huh? And that's okay. Can I tell you that you can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation a hundred times in your life and you'll never know all the answers? Because if you knew all the answers, why would you need faith? Y'all not gonna help me today. But your faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Let me give you a couple of ways that you can study the Bible. Get into a quiet time in a quiet place. We call this soap. I didn't invent this, but I use it. Not only do I use it scripturally, but physically I use it for my body. Come on, somebody. There's a teenager in the room. This is the best word you're gonna hear all day. Wash with soap. Come on, parents, help me out. So just like you would take a bath or a shower every day, you need to wash yourself in the Word of God every day. Soap yourself in the Word of God every day. So here's a plan. It's not the only plan, but here's a plan. S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. Soap the Word. All right, you got that? Everybody got that? You soap the Word. Let me show you this verse here in Psalm 119. It's verse 105. Let's go back to 105, or 119, rather, of the, of the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalmist David said, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Say that with me. One, two, three. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That's the scripture. Now, what did I just observe? That's what you'll write down in your journal. Well, I observed that life is dark. There will be dark places and dark seasons and dark moments. But as long as I've got the word of God, he'll illuminate my path. If I'm not in the word, then I walk blindly and I walk in darkness. But if I've got the word, then his word becomes a lamp. Now a lamp will only illuminate a few feet at a time. That's why I got to read the word every day. Do you see this? Now how do I apply what I just observed? God, I want to be in your word every day. 
Give me conviction. That's my prayer. That's my application. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Let's say this verse again. You ready? One, two, three. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Do it again. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Can we do it? One, two, three. Your word is a lamp and a light. You just memorized the verse. Quiet time, quiet place, study plan. Uh, one of my friends, Jason Isaacs, who is often here at Go Church teaching and one of my dear friends, he, he says that he asks these four questions every time he reads the New Testament. You gotta write them quick or take a picture. I'll even pose for you. Come on, somebody, you're welcome. These four questions right here. What did Jesus encounter? How did Jesus respond? Why was he able to respond that way? And then what do I need to do or what do I need to change in me so that I can respond the same way? It's good, isn't it? It's a study plan. So what did Jesus encounter? How did he respond? Why was he able to respond that way? And now, now what do I need to change so that I can respond the same way as Jesus? Because Jesus is the example. Love the word, learn the word. Quiet time, quiet place, study plan. Watch this. I'm not going to stay on this one long. But get in a group. We're going to kick off small groups here at Go Church February 13th. By then, listen to me, everybody look at me. By then, every variant of COVID is going to be gone. Come on, in Jesus' name, all right? We're going to kick off groups together. Get in a group. There's going to be wonderful social groups, but there will be study groups that you get to study the Word of God together. Love the Word, learn the Word, and then I just want you to live the Word. Just live it. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10, tells us about the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the full power of his might. I love this verse so much. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. That's good for some of you with family drama, by the way. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the devil and having done everything, stand firm. Stand firm then, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition, taking up the shield of faith, which which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this. Every piece of the armor of God is defensive except one piece, the sword. From your head to your toe, put on the full armor of God to stand against the attack of the enemy. It's all defensive, but one piece of the armor, the word. There is power in this holy book. Live the word. This is how you overcome temptation. This is how you overcome trial. I wish you'd help me preach for 30 seconds. This is how you overcome warfare. This is how you overcome every spiritual attack through the word of God. The word of God. Watch this. Come on. Let's go back, Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all of my heart. Don't let me stray from your word. Don't let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word, where? In my heart, that I might not sin against you. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Jesus, touch us today. Confront us, convict us. May we love the word, learn the word, live your word. Thank you, Jesus. Let me ask you these closing questions right here. Look at this. 
What did the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today through this message? Come on. And what next steps do you need to take in your faith journey? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm over time. Let me pray. Jesus, God the Father who loves us, God the Son who gave his life for us, God the Holy Spirit that is within us, speak to us today through this message. And God, reveal to us the next steps in our faith journey. For some of us, it's just getting into the Word every day, reading the Bible every day, soaping every day, listening to you through Scripture. Maybe it's jumping into a serve team or getting into that small group or whatever that looks like for you. Every person here, everybody online, everybody in Germantown, we got a next step. What is that next step for some of you? It's just saying yes to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've accepted him in the past and you've kind of drifted away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus, but today you want to give your whole life to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you just want me to pray for you this week, for you to grow deeper in your walk with God. You want to ask Jesus to come into your heart to be Lord. Counting to three, would you put your hand up? One, two, three. Come on, hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Germantown as well. Thank you. Okay, Jesus, you've seen every hand lifted. And we're praying this prayer. This prayer doesn't save us. We're saved by faith through grace. But this prayer is, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I believe that you are Lord. I believe your word is holy and set apart. I confess my sin and I commit my life to you. It's as easy as the ABCs into my life, make me a new person and change my trajectory here on earth and more importantly, change my life for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. All right, you've clapped a lot, but can you give Jesus the best praise you've got? Come on. Good. Stay seated for a moment. Lift your hands though. Come on, lift your hands. Thank you, Father. Will you sing this